You're listening to Gig Pigs. Patrons of Gig Pigs. Patrons of Gig Pigs. Ivo and I last night did the last date of his 2023 tour. Yes. It will be extended in 2024. It will. Some of the dates are already on sale. I just haven't promoted them yet. <laughs> and Ivo just did a, exactly what you would hear at the beginning of a show. Yes, we were at the uh, Royal and Derngate in Northampton, or the R&G, as I call it. <laughs> Alex literally told me just before we started recording this <laughs> that I referred to the Royal and Derngate as the R&G several times throughout the show. Already perhaps a misguided comic enterprise. The sort of joke being quite quickly that I thought it was very funny to just initialize it. But Alex, the morning after, has been like, I don't want to stress you out pre-Alison Spittle. Is there a reason why you were saying R and G <laughs> instead of R and D? Ivo said it with such confidence that I brought it up more to sort of say, oh, there was about six minutes where I was faffing around with my camera at the back of the room to sort of try and get a reel or two. Yeah. So I thought maybe I missed some kind of hilarious spoonerism fun Ooh. with a, an audience member. <laughs> you say RNG so confidently. I was like, well, he can't <laughs> fail to misunderstand that Derngate begins with a D. <laughs> but so entranced is he by the G coming through with the gate. Yeah, the RNG <laughs> sounds better than the R&D. And there's a big gate. You don't want to research and develop. No research and development, just the old show done with dead eyes on the tour. <laughs> In an absolute avalanche of shame, I take a small crumb of cheer. Could I have just a crumb of cheer from you saying that I was saying it with such confidence? Because it wasn't, you know, an entirely confident show. I was plagued by self-doubt visibly at many times. But when I was at my most confident, <laughs> that's when I was saying RNG. And that was when I was making my biggest mistake. <laughs> and when your enemy is making a mistake, don't interrupt him. Just tell him about it on the podcast the next day. Exactly, exactly. I wanted to see what a slow-cooked regret overnight would taste like. Mm. Is it delicious? Is it falling off the bone? <laughs> it's falling off the bone. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, well, yes, as anyone who's been kind enough to come to these tour shows will know, and I dare say I may continue with this offstage announcement into 2024, I'd like to say into the offstage mic, patrons of the venue in question and the walk-on music since we went to see Heim with Alison Spittle this episode which we'll come to properly introduce very shortly has been a song that I discovered that night you may have already worked out what that song is through my superb rendition of it in the second <laughs> one of this podcast its identity will be clarified and expanded upon in due course of course Saying patrons of gig pigs is extra confusing because we, we do also have Patreons of gig pigs. Yes. Which is a lovely gang of people. Do you want to say what number you think it is, Alex? Or do we keep that shrouded in mystery? I think it's only shrouded in mystery if you don't click on the website. I think the mystery shrouds can fall apart to any who seek. Right. But about 125. It's a bit fine. <laughs> the final shroud, gone. So anyway, um, those people, and we do continue to, may I say, uh, recommend the Patreon. We've recorded loads of really fun extra content for it and released extra bits of the interviews we've done, and it is only £5 a month. But yes, you might be listening to this a few days early as a Patreon of Gig Pigs, but also welcome, of course, to the freeloading patrons of Gig Pigs. <laughs> 
free free in, free enjoying freely enjoying <laughs> freely freely I don't mean a scintilla <laughs> of judgment there I'm going to hold my hand up and say Alex I'm not a patron of a single podcast how could I judge I don't contribute to anyone else's podcast income beyond ad revenue the Frank Lampard meme was ha 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 freeloading but seriously freely enjoying it thank <laughs> you for your ears <laughs> that, was, that was how that pivoted I felt but this of episode, course we don't expect. Yes, it's not the time to explain the Frank Lampard <laughs> meme, <laughs> although it is worth looking up. Of course, Adam Hurry football cliche is probably the high point of the entire football cliches canon. We went to see the Banheim with the comedian Alison Spittle on the thirty first of August, twenty twenty three, at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. Thanks, Alex. I thank you in the episode. I think, but I'd like to thank you again for securing some very exclusive tickets to a very intimate time show. Thank you. Uh, Heim playing a, a venue probably about a tenth of their trad capacity these days, maybe a fifth. For them, intimate. For many bands, the peak. We're doing this via Riverside, a remote recording software. We're essentially on, on a Zoom call. It's our first ever bit of remote recording. I hope you haven't <laughs> managed to guess that somehow through audio quality or vibe. But when Alex <laughs> said a tenth, I did a little wince, as if to be like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> as if that's important at all the point is i don't need very much you could have winced in person you could and would and have winced in person <laughs> there was no need for and have there <laughs> well actually no there was some need it's made me think about all the wincing i, I verbally do to you sorry Heim are one of the maybe this will get a wince from you depends how many biggest bands in the world there are i suppose but they are a trio of sisters from, I can't now remember which state of America, and I'd like to remember. Los Angeles. There we go. They sing about it on track one of their third album, Women in Music Part 3, which we both loved so much during, but not because of, the pandemic. It's just they've released three fantastic albums. The third one. I'd say they've released two fantastic albums, and between those two fantastic albums, an album that I have still not really given full-time time of day to, I suspect it's fine like the critical response to it was it's fine I don't think it went crazy but maybe it's really good and but perhaps but I love both I love the first and third albums but I still never waded into the second properly I was just sort of unimpressed by the lead singles from it and gave it a miss Alex uh, you're a more honest man than me I was just washing over that in a generalization but I'm in exactly the same boat <laughs> I didn't even really I mean I, I did really love the singles from Days Are Gone the debut album by Haim and I really enjoyed seeing them in a lovely mid-afternoon slot at Glastonbury in 2014 but then while they have continued in the last few years to become superstars celebrities Taylor Swift collaborators and in the case of Alana film stars she's in and on the cover of Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson I too had not really paid much attention to their second album, Sorry to Bother You. And then just Women in Music Part 3 was getting such great press during a time where we had time. And it just... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I think it's actually one of those, like, so simple, it's almost profound ways to describe the pandemic as a time when we had time. I think if you did a play about the pandemic and it was called A Time When We Had Time, I think people would be like, that's pretty nice, actually. Honestly, you might be right, but it's just, again, if we are truly recording this on the phone, I can't see your face screamed 
got away with that. It didn't scream another <laughs> profound Sun Tzu-esque nugget of wisdom. <laughs> That's why when we had time. A what-esque nugget of wisdom? Is it is Sun Tzu the correct pronunciation? I never... Oh, yeah, know. Sun Tzu. The, is, that, is Sun Tzu the art of war? Indeed. Yes! Yeah. Didn't get away with that one. Smash it out of the park. Right, yes, no, you're right. Indeed, never interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake is maybe from that, or maybe that's me misremembering. What a cohesive podcast. It <laughs> certainly sounds like it could come from the art of war, and I bet you're resisting the urge to check. I'm obviously checking right now as you speak. Keep going. Okay, he's checking now, so I will say Heim. If you're a casual music fan, the Heim songs you know are probably still from their debut album days are gone. I'd say their third album is my favourite. It's Bonaparte. Sorry, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the only Heim album that matters, I bet it's multi-attributed. All roads lead back to Zoo. Back at Sun. The only Heim album that matters for the purpose of this podcast is the debut album Days Are Gone because the exclusive event that Alex booked tickets to, although still in a pretty large venue, was the 10th anniversary play of Days Are Gone, the celebration, the full album show. It was brilliant and we got to enjoy it in the fine company of Alison Spittle, a brilliant comedian who had been one of the stars of my Edinburgh Fringe in the weeks leading up to the gig by just smashing it out of the park at my club night comedians DJ battles on multiple occasions while running her own. And we talk a bit about that during the episode. Alex, you weren't at the Edinburgh Fringe this year, but you've known Alison actually for longer than I have. Yes. Well, she's an absolutely fantastic comedian. She's of many talents, podcaster. Her podcast, Wheel of Misfortune, with Fern Brady and Kerry Katona as guest hosts. Also, she's got a play couple of plugs would be one national tour of her show soup from the edinburgh 2023 fringe is all over the country in the spring so do check that out but also if you're in oxfordshire or oxford pig she's got a play debuting at the oxford firehouse right at the old fire station the old fire station where i did like my third ever stand-up gig don't worry alex i'm too deep in my own nostalgia to pick you up on a minor technical error you can basically say anything if my eyes are glazing over and i'm thinking of 2009 (laughs) but that place called glacier is i think a sort of a slightly darker kind of christmas themed play so i would check that out if you're an oxford i think that'd be good yes uh many places and opportunities to enjoy the broad portfolio of spittle but she's also and here we are again introducing a guest in these highly complimentary terms, she's a huge music fan. And she revealed both before the gig, during the gig, and then in the podcast chatting about the gig, all sorts of curious pilgrimages from earlier in her life. (laughs) Getting to see Haim performing Days Are Gone in full on its 10th anniversary in London, a city that the Haim sisters claim to hold very dear, is a great privilege. But I would say it's far from the strangest <laughs> gig-going opportunity that Alison has enjoyed in her life. So we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, you'll join the episode with me losing my mind about the phrase, I trust you implicitly. So that's how that kicks off. And I think it's good that finally it's getting thrashed out. <laughs> Alex, do you trust me implicitly? I, d- I do trust you implicitly. Thank you very much. And explicitly. <laughs> Here's Alison's fiddle. 
talking about Heim. It sounds quite loud in my ear, but is that just because I've got my yeah, mic, the headphones are turned up? Headphones, uh, Fine, great. Yeah. I trust you implicitly and explicitly. Uh, the phrase I trust you implicitly always sounds much less yeah, strong. Like, implicitly yeah. doesn't mean usually a lot or good in any other thing. I no. trust you implicitly is like the best thing, but it really just means I'm never going to directly say that I do trust you, but I guess you can infer that I might trust you. Implied trust. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's all right. But what I'm saying is, idiomatically, I've given you the best compliment I can, but just on a technical, logical level, it doesn't feel that complimentary. <laughs> anyway, are we rolling? You're rolling, yeah. You're rolling. We got all of that. <laughs> we did. Fantastic. I'm excited for that to kick off. I just like to say, I trust you loads. <laughs> I trust you loads. Right. Sorry, I This is I love this. This is real um Bessarabian sound system clink 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 clong clong. Oh is it? Smashing a lettuce with a hammer. Bong. Uh, do you know what I don't need it? Is it Bessarabian sound system? I don't know what that is. I'm not sure what that is. It's uh, that film with Toby Jones where he's I've not seen it, but where he's you and Maybe I've made up the Yeah, no. I've got that wrong. What the fuck is the name of that film? Toby Jones smashing lettuce. This is valuable and important stuff. Yes, I think so actually. Burberian Sound Studio. Wonderful. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's a film about Toby Jones doing folio. Yes, so folio is the name of the thing where you are yeah. stomping on gravel to, yeah, it's about that. Is ASMR, is that folio? I guess it's a sort of folio, isn't it? But you're not, you're doing it, it's not soundtracking visuals, I suppose. That's true. Mm. That's what folio is doing, isn't it? What would you say radio folio is then? I guess that's just radio, the Radiophonic Studio, the BBC Radiophonic <laughs> Studio. I'm sorry, I've brought us on over This is so funny because I would say of any of the pre-gig conversations we've had with any of our guests, yes. I would say you have, and this is the highest compliment you can receive, yes. the highest number of save-its <laughs> for the pod of any. You just kept dropping beginnings of anecdotes and we were like, nope. <laughs> Two weeks time, please. And yes. you can detonate all of this. Yeah, we could have done with some of this Toby Jones stuff at the Syndicum <laughs> Social before. <laughs> Come on, Alex. Misremember a film title for us and then not be sure about the definition of any of the activities in the film. That does Save feel like 80% of podcasts that I listen to, though. Is someone misremembering something? And live Googling. Yeah. Alison, your Edinburgh show is called Soup. It is called Soup, yes. Would you ever eat <laughs> soup out of a can at a festival? Wait, what temperature-wise, what are we talking? Oh, it's pretty cold now. As, as cold as it was born, as God made it. Okay, what's the texture? It's your favourite soup. Oh, it's my favourite soup? Yeah. So it could be a broth. It's your favourite tinned soup. It could be something thick. Could I tinned supermarket like, soup. I don't think I would do it because it would be like cold sick. What I like about soup is I like it to be higher than body temperature so it doesn't feel like I'm consuming vomit. Mm. <laughs> Why? Why do you ask? Vomit. Have you ever got a, I'm going to assume the answer to this is no, yes. but have you ever got one of those chicken measurement needles that you put in and measure that, but have you done that to vomit, got what the temperature is, <laughs> and then gone, all my soup must be at least one degree warmer than this? Yes. No, I didn't, but that wasn't a great, yeah. I'd say, look, I want to be stringent about what I say. I want it to be absolutely true. So I'm definitely going <laughs> to measure this vomit uh, temperature then vow never to drink soup mm -mm. at a lower temperature than that. Running around on a big night out mm -mm. with one of those thermometers waiting to see hot sick on the pavement. Yeah, I'm going to hold my friend's hair back and put a <laughs> thermometer in front of their mouth. <laughs> He's not worth it, love. Just let me put this thermometer inside you. <laughs> 
it is a bit laddy, obviously, but um, it was in the middle of a very beautiful speech. My friend Will did a best man speech for our friend Louis last weekend, and he dedicated a significant chunk to the noise that Louis, his housemate of many years at University and Beyond, makes when he's being sick. Wow. And a lot of the room related to it, and a lot of the room joined in with a sort of group rendition of it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Can you can you it? was you an amazing... It? Will described it very poetically as like sticking your head out of the window of a moving train. Oh. <laughs> sort of Doppler a, effect. A sort of long roar that goes on for so long. Oh, wow. But no, no reference to temperature, sadly. Oh, that's a shame. No thermometers waved around. It did not pass the spittle test. <laughs> so which one of you have drank cold soup? Because I feel like this is the thing. Yeah, I mean, this question is in danger, and I would say in danger, of becoming one of the format items. No, no, I think that's the last time ever. It's only because Alison did a show called That's soup. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going <laughs> to guess which one of you it is, Ivo. Yes. Okay. Wait, so you, did you eat cold soup? No, I've got no idea how we ever came to this, and I can see your frustration and I understand <laughs> it. It's an absolute non-starter, a hypothetical, with no interesting anecdotal backstory. I Thanks w- for coming on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a Goofy movie once and uh, one of the scenes that I remember most from it is where Goofy is living in his car. It's come to like a tragic low point in his life and he's got the cigarette lighter from a car and he's putting a can over it and heats up the can. Goofy is in the dog. The dog, yeah. But the father in the Goofy movie, he's a dad. But, like, you, but you are right. In real life, a dog living in a car, that's... Luxury. That's up in the, going up in the world. <laughs> Who's this big dog? Speaking of dogs. I'm just, I'm just checking because of my much-referenced poor cultural knowledge and such things that we are talking about Goofy the dog. Well, I'm not were... contradicting you, being like, I'm afraid I can't see that as bleak. That's a hugely you thought dog. You thought there could be a chance that it was a man called Goofy and Goofy was the name of some Belgian art house film that you can only see on Mubi that you should have seen it was in many year endless last year. That does make sense, though. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I think there. you, more than anyone else in the world, know that there are a lot more films I haven't seen than just Belgian art house films. <laughs> or a good movie. Including 13 of Empire's top 20 movies of all time. Wow. I mean, as, as comics, you spend a lot of time in your car. That's true. And occasionally you're stuck at a service station overnight or something. But I've never used the, the lighter. I've stuck my finger on the lighter when it was hot to see whether it was hot or not. And it was. It was hot. So. You'll do that. You'll be checking yeah. the temperature of vomit. You'll be checking. Yeah. <laughs> I just like to check the temperature of stuff, you know. Call me Sean Paul. <laughs> oh, I didn't play Temperature by Sean Paul loud enough at Comedian's DJ Battle for oh, the last no. night in Edinburgh. It was very stressful because I think I would like to reference the fact, Alison, yeah. that you were the undisputed star of... Show the, Stealer. The show uh, Stealer. Could we have our show back, please, <laughs> Alison? Um, Two appearances. Yes. One yes. fantastic appearance from Alex as well. Yes. Um, and uh, just a, a lot of typing captions behind the laptop from me. So many photos have come up of the night now. And all of them, I'm just hunched miserably over the laptop. I don't like I'm fun in any of them. But uh, when Lolly and Leo Reich were doing it due to technical issues, they were playing songs off different laptops. And so because of the B2B nature of the night but to alternate the jack between the laptops oh between every song gosh. it was excruciating and on my new Samsung which I hate every time you'd sort of like put the headphones out and then put it back in perhaps as a safety measure just the audio would automatically reset to very low and, and I thought us leaving the European Union meant that sort of thing would end <laughs> 
Yeah. That, was, that was the exact reason I voted leave. <laughs> <laughs> and just Lolly, like, dropping temperature and it just being so quiet. And Lolly going, start it again. Start it again. <laughs> <laughs> that temperature was tepid. It was, yeah. it, yes, it was. Uh, you wouldn't drink it at a festival. <laughs> I am... Um, Oh, there's got to be like a difference of what beer is too warm to drink at a festival and what soup is too cold. There must be like a small amount. Between well, my them. I've really adopted out of some enjoyment of the product, but mainly just love for the man. Mm. And my brother's insistent philosophy that old speckled hen is an unglamorous ale, but one that does well at a sort of festival heat. Mm. Uh, it's sort of it's not so iconic when cold that you then resent it when it's warm. It's like <laughs> it's fine. And then it's actually fine. Um, and that's the hen trajectory. So I've now got a really solid backlog. Very, so of, a very badly mixed album that does well off any speaker system. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't really get much better for me. And I've mm-hmm. had, I'm lucky to have had several of these moments in my life now over the last few years of my brother grinning at me as he passes <laughs> me a warm hen at like Glastonbury. Wow. Um, and I think a couple of photos of me drinking a can of hen went up online and, and the captions, very much of their own initiative, did not agree with the sort of core philosophy of Project Hen. Um, <laughs> what's your take on your own question? I suppose like cans of cider being warm in a tent is fine because you can pretend you're at like a Christmas mart mm. and it's hot cider. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> it says Christmas to me. You bring little money pa- pouches of cinnamon and yeah. cloves and things to yeah, make in little drug bags. Yeah. yeah, it's for me. Officer, it's please. Me. <laughs> this is my Christmas mix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mulled too hard on night one. The rest of the was a complete write-off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful. Alison, as well as doing your show Soup at the mm. Festival and performing at Comedians DJ Battles, amongst other things, in a Shrek costume during a rendition of All Star by Smash Mouth. That's very nice of you to which say. Which was um, iconic. You also hosted on the final night a system of a clown. Yes. The um, <laughs> Now, you said it wasn't exclusively limited to... I said new metal, but then, like, why say no to emo music? Even someone wanted to do the gossip, and she was a mate of mine, so I said, yeah. But if she wasn't a mate of mine, I probably would have pushed it away. Which gossip song? Standing in the Way of Control, which would be a good bit of people shouting along. Um, Yeah, that's iconic. Although, Alex, you had a heavy cross at your... Drinks on Saturday. Did it come night. on? It was on the playlist. It was yeah. on my 19 hour playlist, of which you could therefore only get about a third of them. Yes, I clocked it. I feel like that's your love language, is making playlists. <laughs> Self love. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, at one point, my fiance insisted that I not put on certain Taylor Swift songs that she had requested I put on the playlist, and I had to show her that I, in fact, had. It was just the playlist was so long, the odds of them coming up were quite low. Oh my God. There were so many non Taylor Swift bullets in my Russian roulette game. <laughs> <laughs> what was the best? performance at System of a Clan? Okay, there was people that came that were serious about performing and they came on first and then they tried to take over the night a little bit and people started booing and there was a bit of a 
a vibe going on. Like proper, we're really good at music. They We've got lungs on us. They were very singing. They were ah, very good at singing. Bad vibes. And um, these comedians or no, just no, so members of the... that's why I'm free to say it. <laughs> 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 I'll never meet these people again professionally. So. <laughs> and if and, any of them were comedians, there'll be a Patreon segment at the end that you could just bitch freely about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bitch away. I think probably, what did I like the best? I really liked the Limp Bizkit song. No, Stuart Law's Lincoln Park. He did two Lincoln Park songs. Did he bring, so he did Numb at yeah. Ivo's Comedians DJ Battles. Mm. Yeah, Sakisa did the rapping part and he Amazing. did the singing part. Oh, wow. Oh, it was Yeah, because we, that's interesting because we, we just got the Numb end? at the Battles. But obviously, in a way, it's one of the great crossover events of the 21st century. Um, but it was uh, I will the, never the book it the version. same time as you um, ever again. Oh, no, that's not. Oh, I'm, I'm, sorry, sorry. I'm not referring to us being on a, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the clash of people traipsing from System of a Clown to Comedian Teacher Battles on the last Sunday in Fringe was one of the great crossover events of the year. No, I was talking about um, Jay Z at Lincoln Park's album. Oh, it doesn't matter. But Stuart, it was nice to hear just the original of Numb, the lesser heard. Worth saying as well that Comedians DJ Battles and I, I hugely enjoyed hosting and hope to bring to future Edinburgh festivals and elsewhere. Mm. It was not explicitly karaoke. It did, people were free to shout into a microphone if they wanted to or indeed goad the crowd into doing so. But <laughs> yes. it was just more of a club night where you were selecting. I did find it weird as the DJ to, like, sometimes I'm like, what do I do with my body? Mm. Then when I dressed up like Shrek slut, like, it just, I knew. I knew when I dressed up like Shrek slut. Yes. And when I dressed up in tribute to the character Shrek slut. That I made up myself. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was just a slow love Shrek. <laughs> you both listing the original Shrek slut outfit and then the knockoff wish.com <laughs> Shrek <laughs> outfit. What, what, Shrek slag? Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 like, exactly. yeah. No, it'd be, it'd be Shrek slag. Ogre. So it's, so it's, yeah, yeah. Ogre, ogre. ogre whore. Ogre whore, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not violating the copyright it's fine yeah. I've always thought about the people that have to do the modelling for the costumes of the knockoff costumes mm. like how do they get that job and what are they supposed to give like you know when you're like a model and you're being asked to dress up like a shit like what do you give to the camera there well the definitive one I always think about because I think there was a, a quite a period where dressing up as Captain Jack Sparrow oh. at Halloween was like a really big thing. So I think there was a real sub-economy in Captain Jack Sparrow. Still or Captain the Jock place Sparrow. that I went to. <laughs> <laughs> But it is always like a man. It's like casting brief, sort of Johnny Depp-ish. Mm. It's very funny looking at those sort of sub-Johnny Depp pirate men. Those horrible subculture. <laughs> Alison, did yes. you do a lot of karaoke and singing in your family when you were growing up? Yes. In my family, they insist that, like, well, the Irish side of my family, the English side of my family are lovely and quite reserved and are always bemused by the Irish side of my family. And the Irish side of my family, we will we'll drink around the table and then make each other sing and even the people that can't sing. So, like, everyone has their little songs. My granny, Granny Minnie, she does this thing where if someone tries to bring up maybe some trauma that they've had in their life, she will sing over them <laughs> until they stop talking about it. So 
So you know when people have a few drinks, they're like, and one thing about this family, she's like, more and more and more. She'll just sing over you <laughs> until you stop. <laughs> so, yeah, there's quite a musical family. <laughs> yeah, quite a musical family. And we do, like, like my mum does, like... Um, Very funny to, like, yeah, usually music is a way of unbottling repressed emotion, whereas it's oh. fun to see it enable repression. We <laughs> will... <the> cork. We, <laughs> we will torment and discipline each other with music. That sounds nice. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Well, like, I remember once, so someone was um, accusing my aunt of just, um, like, it's kind of like my granddad is the big patriarch of my family. And uh, my aunt never thinks he can do any wrong. And I think we kept singing Daddy's Girl, which is an Irish, maybe this is like a Banshees of an issue, but we just kept singing at her. Or if there's like, my cousin and I used to do comedy songs when we were five about our mother's neighbours who she didn't like. And we made it on a tape for my mum for her birthday. And it would just be calling people smelly or just be real hard hitting, horrible songs, like little minstrels about my mum's enemies. And how was it received by your mum? Oh, she loved it. Do you think she tucks into the tape regularly? <laughs> yeah. Just lights a few candles, lays back, <laughs> has a bath, and then plays the song of her five-year-old child accusing someone of being a smelly bitch. Like, yeah, That's so funny. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're a musical family. They do a lot of karaoke and stuff. None of us can play an instrument. So it's often YouTube karaoke. My favourite song to sing is Valerie by Amy Winehouse. And uh, that's it, really. I feel ashamed because I don't want to be a singer. I do like singing. I think I'm good at it. If I was on X Factor, though, I wouldn't get through the first round. <laughs> you know? Anyway. I'm sorry to hear your low, your low ambitions, X Factor-wise. Well, to put it this way, I think, like, my X Factor experience would be I wouldn't be able to do, like, a two-hour-long story time video about it on YouTube. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. I That's my big watch. I watch all of that stuff. Anyone that's been through the jowls of Simon Cowell's big machine. Right, right, right. Uh, talking about X Factor. No, sorry. I'll let you push the conversation forward. Was there a thing that you wanted to talk about and you decided against that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, well, why don't we ask you, Alison, what, what was the first live gig you went to? The first ever gig I went to yeah. was Samantha Mumba. It was her glory homecoming after getting to number two in the British charts. And she came to Mullingar, which is a small town in Ireland, and we built a big marquee for her. And she did two songs. She was three hours late, but it was fine. Wow. And she did two songs. But that, I think she was always meant to only do two songs. Sure. Like it wasn't a thing. I got her autograph. I put my hair in little braids as a kid. There's but something about the phrase, we built a big marquee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I kept her autograph. And then years later, I was in an um, industrial estate in Ireland outside of a TV studio because I was promoting a comedy show, but I didn't have enough. I felt too shy about asking them to pay for transport, but it would have been a 20-minute walk through an industrial estate to get to the bus. And uh, beep, beep, she passed, and she said, Alison, get in the car. And then I got a lift. Mumba. For Mumba, oh, yeah. Wow. And it was amazing. I swear, I just like the. Young and she was lady. was she working on this yeah, comedy show? Yeah, right, right. I thought yeah. I thought it was yeah. just like yeah. Sorry, she was TV presenter. Imagine if she just. Mum was like, I drive an Uber now. Yeah. 
She's doing great. She's doing great. <laughs> so I got a lift her in. It was amazing. Do you remember what songs, what were the two bangers you got? Gotta tell you and always come back to your love, okay. I think. And like the other kind of, I went to Blue Peter's big concert in Scarborough and I saw Darius from Pop Idol. Right. And Scoot, is it? Goes, na, 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 na. Stoosh. No, not Stoosh. I nearly <laughs> saw Stoosh a few years ago, but they cancelled because they were on the Jonathan Ross show. So they were supposed to support Scouting for Girls. Your sister's favourite band. They are my sister's favourite band. They played Butlins last year and they were amazing. They were amazing. I like watching live music at Butlins. It's very good fun. And do you like watching live music with your sisters? I do. Yeah, I do. I've brought them to see uh, Nicki Minaj. I gave my sister tickets to go see Taylor Swift, but I didn't come because I wasn't arsed at the time. I would have went now. There's a lot of like regrets. I didn't go to see Lady Gaga with my two mates. It's hard to hear. I regret that. I saw Samantha Mumba. I saw Scouting for Girls. I couldn't be asked to see Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do you know what? Dane Barris is in a new band with... Abs from Five and Ben from Fats and Small who used to go out with Vanessa Feltz. They're called Boys on the Block. And they were playing Five Minute Walks in my hotel yesterday. Wow. And uh, I didn't go out. Not even out of I don't the- think that's in the Gaga category. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> I have so know. many regrets about not going to gigs. You're stretched to call that a super group, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think when you're adding who used to go out with Vanessa Feltz to get it over the line, super wise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing it's, it's small. you know, it's less evangelists oh. assemble more. Some people <laughs> assemble. <laughs> a congregation. <laughs> I went to gigs a bit when I was a kid, but they were all kind of, Samantha Mumba was my big passion. The Blue Peter gig I went to just for the sake of it because my grandmother lived reasonably near to Scarborough and it was free. A little girl tried to get in front of me and my grandma said, no, she was in front. Great. And put me back at, out the front. Did she start singing over the girl? Oh, that's a different, different grandma. <laughs> that's a different grandma. That would have been great, wouldn't it? My Irish grandma would be like, move, bitch. Get out the way, bitch. Get out the way, bitch. <laughs> Solving that problem. Yeah. <laughs> so these days you go to gigs a lot? No. I don't go as much as I want to. How many in the last year, roughly, would you say? Uh, I missed the Florence and the Machine, supported by CMAT in Dublin. I really regret that. I've been to, I'd say, about five, five gigs in the past year. See Matt twice. I'm. Uh, come on to that. Sean Williamson doing karaoke. As the. Uh, <laughs> All of life is here. I can't, uh, believe, I can't believe that name out of the block. <laughs> Genuinely, I bought the T-shirt. I'm very passionate about that. I love that um, that album. It's, it's, Barry's in music part three. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like um, quite a popular like meme or like you know reaction video? We're gonna like, do it anyway. Yes, that's his big closer. <laughs> that's his. <laughs> I would say. I know that we have some listeners from America, but I would say that this is, it's not a huge portion of our, but I would say this is going to be one of the most incomprehensible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> at least parts of an episode. And I'd say to most, like, people, going, people Ooh, from the UK. I love Heim. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I want to talk about uh, someone who used to be in a British soap in the noughties. Someone who used to go out with Vanessa Velt <laughs> and uh, a man called Big Tom and the Mainliners, which was a showbiz band from Ireland that I sang a bit of a song earlier. You can Google that. He's just a very tall man. 
that sang and they called him Big Tom. I don't know what the mainliners was about, but I presume the band. But he had that song called Daddy's Girl. There was also a guy who did a song about uh, the shooting of, uh, is it J.R. Dallas? Yes. Thanks for yes. nudging us back across the Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, they'll know this. Chuck him a few crumbs. Um, and uh, <laughs> this guy had a big hit in the 80s about like who shot JR. And he called himself TR Dallas. And he's now a local politician in my area. But he was, uh, there's quite a few like former musicians that became local county councillors around where I live. But back to other bands that I saw this year. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kokoro? Kokoro? I don't know what, what... Oh, they're great. They're a band from London. Mm-hmm. Really love them. Like trumpets, all that sort of stuff. They're really good. And I saw this rapper called Crack Boy Mental, who is from Cork. He has an album out called Autistic Legend and go listen to it. It's amazing. Like he's a big hit on TikTok. He's got this song called Trans people are my friends. Transphobes can't catch these hands. And it's all about him threatening to beat up turfs. And it's wonderful. So, yeah, that was the other gig I went to. And that was in a small pub in Camden. And it was mostly Irish people or people that are very online that came to enjoy that. So, yeah, it's weird. Like when Irish people come over to London, I do make an effort to go see them. Can you tell me more about the circumstances of you going to watch Sean Williamson doing karaoke? Oh, my friend asked me, did I want to go? And I said, yes. So me and my friend Hayley... We love EastEnders. We went to the Barbican because they had an exhibition on EastEnders, which turned out to be a small television in the corner. It wasn't an exhibition. It was just an art installation where someone had edited out every other bit of EastEnders apart from the Queen Vic. So me and Hayley watched three hours of this to try and get the context of what year we were watching. We worked out it was 1989. So wow! So it's just so it, it was plays, only interior scenes in the Queen Vic, yeah, and everything else had been cut. Everything from it. else is cut, and it's just playing nonstop, twenty four hours a day for three months. Wow! And you just watch it. It was great. So <laughs> Are you wear the installation that the National did at the Museum of Modern Art in, uh, I think it was at the moment, or was it the Guggenheim? Anyway, they played their song Sorrow, Sorrow on loop for about eighteen hours or something. Wow! Um, so maybe that's. Very similar. Is that similar? Very similar. <laughs> Ivo's pulling a face. Well, I just remember seeing that and thinking, you know, and it was probably right at the height of my love of the national. And obviously, you know, not in the right country, but still, you know, at what point would I tear myself away from just the national just playing on a sort of loop, the same song? <laughs> nip, in, nip in for half an hour. I think you want to sort of get the, go into that trance-like state like one experiences in like a Stuart Lee routine. That mm. you, If you didn't get bored for a bit during that, you yeah. did it wrong. You got to stay long enough to get bored for a bit, then sort of push through to a new euphoria, then out. Didn't Daniel? <laughs> that's, that's how I'm doing it. <laughs> didn't Daniel Kitson play Wichita Linesman on a loop before his show and the uh, interval? And I was singing along to it, and he popped his head out, and he's like, "No singing." <laughs> no, no singing along. So. <laughs> I like that. That clearly has happened, but you still generously qualified it with. Didn't Daniel Kitson do this? Yeah, but, but, you, but you were there, and you, yeah, did I, and you were told off. <laughs> I didn't want to go, my Daniel Kidson hell. He called me a cud twice because of my laugh. It sounds sarcastic. (laughs) I've seen a few comedians before. I've had this happen to me on at least two. Both Simon Amstel and Tim Key have commented on my... It's always the best. It's it's, always genuinely. Yes, but it is also difficult when it's like... 
you think again about your involuntary reaction to people's art in that moment sometimes. I, yes. Well, also, it's not like it's not like you you're part of sort of thirty people watching it at the Pleasance Beside. You're talking big comics in big venues who are still like, "What's it, that line?" Yes. In my defence, it was yes. it was an Amstel whip at the Bill Murray. Work in progress. Okay. Sorry, it was an Amstel work in progress at the Bimmer, and then I think Tim Keys was at like a hundred seater venue in like Clapham. So both times, the squawk, eminently ruinable. The squawk is it's bad if your squawk's cutting through the ground. Mm. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what are your others? Have you got any other any Has other anyone else? Any other fellow it? comics gone? Calling me a cunt. Fuck you for laughing. <laughs> the intended reaction of this performance. So well, Stuart Lee, he was doing this bit about Osama bin Laden being thrown out of a helicopter into well, the you, sea, and we know you. you. You're losing your mind at that. I was. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> <laughs> That's your Witcher alignment. Yeah, I just love justice. And no one, but he, do you know when you laugh before they do the punchline? Yes. He went, oh, that's the what's he call me? The Archbishop of Canterbury, because I was laughing in anticipation of knowing religiously why it was a bad thing to bury someone at sea. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. So that was the thing there. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it was funny. It was funny. Do you feel self-conscious singing along at music gigs? No, because I'm really short. That's how you make your impact. <laughs> well, I like even... You carbon offset by being short. Yeah. So you just oh, howl just for leather from the lungs. Absolutely howl it into, some, into, <laughs> the, into the arch of someone's back. Just absolutely scream. Scream into someone's torso or armpit. Just absolutely roar it. I love singing along. And I just, I really love lyrics. If I know the words to a song, I'll just belt it out. And I love dancing at concerts if I get enough space. Because I'm so short, I never will get a good view. So I've just come for vibes. <laughs> Do you know? So, like, uh, I'll make space, I'll dance, I'll sing. I remember, like, I went to see Everything, Everything in the Roundhouse. When was that? They're one of my favourite bands. It's the last album cycle. Oh, it was uh, Raw Data Feel. It was amazing. Uh, and I they did. the tour. Did you miss that? No, I missed, I missed the, tour. the tour before. They, they, were, they were like, anyway, I know. this isn't about me. Tell me about your experience. Oh, my God. I got, ah, uh, it was amazing. So my boyfriend came with me. My boyfriend has got, like, always a bit of a bad back. So, like, if it's a band I like, the back will hurt and he'll leave <laughs> at some point. <laughs> if it's a band we both mutually love, the back will survive. <laughs> So he left and um, I got separated from the other friend who was with someone else. So I went to the back of the roundhouse and they did a spring, summer, winter dread. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just lost my mind and just stomped and danced. And then these people were coming up to me going, are you on anything? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I'm sober. All oh, right, okay, sorry. And uh, well, man, a sachet of nutmeg falls from your pocket. Yeah, <laughs> I've been mulling it pretty hard. Um, That's the song with the lyrics, something about a grinning baboon, is it? Yeah, you did it. Did it to her, and you did it to him. Ripped off your face like a. Oh, you are God. a thief and a liar no, too. too. Stole your face that you wear from a. Giggling baboon, something Grinning like baboon. that. Grinning baboon. It, anyway, it's, it's all very familiar song. to me, but I'm not going to be able to provide any final yes. confirmation. I once, and I'm sure I'll say this again on the podcast at some point when we do talk about everything, everything, but I once, quite early into my period of dating my now fiancé, she, she doesn't hate everything, everything. She doesn't like everything, everything. I can I was, understand. I think my boyfriend's like yeah. that. It's very hard. I, We're I in love, a mixed relationship. <laughs> we just have to... I, I just love the Higgsian falsetto, and I go yes. so hard on it. We're about two minutes into 
to say big climb and then yes. I wanted to finish the song and I'd driven her to her house and then I forcibly did a, another lap of the block to continue <laughs> screaming it. In her, in her, and it was like, by some definitions, that's kidnapped. She had a ride at her destination. She no longer wanted to be in the car. Uh, and I just, uh, you know, I think we were just dating for long enough that that was fun, not scary. <laughs> <laughs> I have a big memory of me singing in a car when I was eight to Samantha Mumba's Gotta Tell You. And trying to do was this when she was bit. giving you the lift? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Mum yeah, says there's one condition of this car. <laughs> My two songs on loop. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would love that. Drive me to Donegal. Yeah, give me eight hours of that. But I think my poor dad was really stressed, but I didn't know. And I was like singing really hard. And I was going like, tell me. And then he went, please, Alison, no. <laughs> like I just switched off the radio and had to be in silence. Me, I love singing in cars. I think singing in cars with people, so it's so bonding. Mm. Like me and Stuart Lars. Not always, but yeah, most of the time it is. <laughs> I feel like I'm a way, like, I feel like I've a load more respect for Stuart Lars. I felt like getting a carry journey of him and singing along and doing a bit of trauma dumping in between, you know. Great. Just absolutely strong foundations. And he's, he's doing men. it perfectly because it's the trauma dump and then the sing along, not yes. the interrupts. Beautiful. It was beautiful. Lincoln Park. Oh, My Chemical Romance, Famous Last Words. Great. It's a fantastic song. To have a cathartic sing along to. Do you sing along? Yes, I do, but Good. aware at gigs that it's not always ideal. Ah, oh, fuck them. Well, there was that thing that went viral on Twitter. If you saw, by the time this comes out, it'll be a long time altered. But earlier the week of this recording, there was a singer songwriter who's touring who posted just a, a very nice, polite list of rules for their gigs. And then it got some kudos, but then it kind of probably went outside of her fan base and then got quite a lot of pushback about the rules being patronizing. And there was certain like, don't sing or da da da. I mean, I think with gig rules, it's more just like it's the one rule of like be self aware slash empathetic, isn't it? That's the sort of rule. It's like obviously do sing along, but don't sing along in like Vandalar Crybaby Geeks when it's like no amplification. It's just like, oh, yeah. it's just like know what the vibe is of whether this is like a quiet one. Are you studiously not saying the um, name of the person who? put out their, their gig rules I think so because I think their their perspective and opinion is valid if that's what they want at their gig that's always my view about like gig rules in general I think a lot of the time codes of conduct for lots of live performance isn't necessary because the main code of conduct is don't be an asshole. yes yeah. but if you choose to in the thing you're putting on want to make that explicit in particular ways go for it I wouldn't like it to be the way that we do things the whole time because I just think it can infantilise, but if that's what you want to do for your thing, go for it. Some but, comics mm. will just ban Alison from their gigs before stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's Until the laughing stops. <laughs> the day the laughter died. <laughs> do you know what? It's never occurred to me that it's bad to sing along at concerts. Oh, no, I don't mean... I, no, you're not saying that. To, no, to me, it's actually much more about making myself feel annoyed, as we've referenced constantly since starting doing this, that... I'd love to know the words better and then I'm annoyed with myself. Like yes. I, I can just turn triumph into regret so instantaneously. Ivo hates being a chorus boy, that's what he's saying. That's it. And I, you know, to come onto our joyous shared excursion ten days ago, I was like, Heim will be an absolute slam dunk. But of course, I still felt We remember choruses, we forget the verses. You suddenly realise there's a lot more verse than you bargained. Well, but also we went to a full well Alex and I will have introduced this at the start of the episode yes. as well, but we went to the tenth anniversary full album play of Heim's debut album, Days Are Gone, at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. That was a big album. 
it was a big album and yet one that I realised and we were so lucky to go and I, I don't think I fully appreciated in the sort of chaos of the end of Edinburgh as you tried to sort of organise it from London that you had done phenomenally well to get these tickets in the one minute that they... Quite uh, pleased by it. I got a copy of Days Are Gone on extended edition, anniversary edition on CD, wending its way to me at some point for um, the privilege of being in the earlier Heim. Although ballot. the extended edition is just the wire. At the end, <laughs> at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's lovely stuff. Which we'll come to. Uh, did you remember liking it at the time in 2013 or indeed the band being much of your life in the years since? No, no, I didn't care for Heim that much when I was younger. Their music was used in an advert, and I think I had a bit of like inbuilt misogyny and like going, "Oh fuck that!" What was the product? Was it? For it was a white wine skydiving, spritzer. and it was a song falling. <laughs> it was falling. It was a white wine spritzer. It was days are gone because the, your, your days are gone. Like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the kind of like advert was kind of like women pre-drinking having a lovely time and I think I rejected that at the time right. so I rejected I want to pre-drink and have quite a sad time I don't want it to be <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it to be emblematic of a swinging 20s I whatever. would love a realistic alcohol advert where it's just like <laughs> someone necking something to tolerate someone else make your friends tolerable <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with like book fast or whatever don't save me soundtracking <laughs> drinking alone <laughs> <laughs> but they're amazing they're really really good and I'm gonna get into them now they were something that really passed me by actually and I felt terrible for being there yeah, felt well, terrible for being at that concert what because you're like you're aware that someone at 1201 on Twitter will have tweeted how the fuck have these tickets already gone as they did yeah I felt do you know what I felt like I felt like a suicidal person that was on the lifeboat coming out of the Titanic and I threw myself <laughs> off that boat ten minutes before the iceberg hit <laughs> <laughs> Women and children first as you try and hurl yourself off the boat exactly. into the water below. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Women and children and happy first. Yeah, so that's what I felt like. But everyone was so lovely. The vibes were good. The vibes were great. So much to say about the gig. I would say Shepherd's Bush Empire is one of my favourite venues mm. in the capital just because it just hits the perfect sweet spot of... Intimacy and spectacle. And so it's near a brood dog. And so <laughs> near one of nature's brood dogs. Yeah. <laughs> it was we, wonderful. We, we brood dogged after the gig. We, we went did. to the slightly more historic syndicum social before the gig. <laughs> but afterwards, I'll tell you what. If, All bets were off. <laughs> if, if, if you want to... And I, I was at a, a wedding a few days after this. In a brew dog? Uh, no, but um, <laughs> with someone who's on the board. Right. <laughs> I can't believe we've not saved that for the Patreon. I don't, I don't, if there's anything I want to put behind a paywall, it would be that. I think. <laughs> you giving all the speckled hand love when you, can be, you should be screaming about a lukewarm brew dog's charms from the hilltop. <laughs> I would love to meet someone on the board of Old Speckled Hen, um, but it doesn't feel like the UK's major consultancy firms are swirling around Hen as much as they are around the dog. But yes, I had an interesting chat about Brewdog where its checkered history was addressed. We didn't sort of duck and dance around it, but I did continue with the anecdote 
that I'd already started when someone waved over someone who was on the board of BrewDog to share in it, which was that, I mean, I don't know, I was talking about something as sort of niche and self-involved as our post-time drinks uh, <laughs> at a wedding, but, but about how it was a marvel to emerge with, what, two or 3,000 other joyful people from a Heim gig and be able to go and drink at a pretty quiet pub yeah. meters from the gig merely by dint of it having perhaps brew dog all over it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if this is worth really pursuing much further, but uh, you know, well, it may just be quite weak night in West London. Mm, that's it. <laughs> but the top line is, Heimer are a band that were headlining All Points East in Victoria Park days earlier. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we were getting to see them in a venue that I think last time I was in was to see Beach House on their Depression Cherry tour. I think the bad thing about my music consumption these days is probably I'm not quite as close to the ground anymore that I'm not people on their London tour dates. I'm not really seeing a Shepherd's Bush Empire anymore, that it's a bit small for the sort of bands yeah. I watch these I'm days, which is bad. I'm very much controlled by the Spotify algorithm <laughs> myself. Do you know what was funny about the concert? Because we got split up. Yes. Like as a group. Yes, immediately. The two pairs. Really yeah. quite It was the three of us and our friend Georgia. Alison and I moved further down the mm. side towards the stage and mm. you did not or could not follow. And it's like, well, that's the gig now. Sent Alex a couple of texts. Yeah, it was socially like, felt like we moved as far as we could go. I had a good view at the good. bar and there was right. no one behind me. So I had a sort of guilt free because we got yeah. there. I'd wanted to get there quite early, but we such was the pre-drinks vibe that we actually ended up just hanging out for a lot. And we got in quite late missed a lot of Nell Mascal's set which was fantastic I really yeah. enjoyed well we spoke a lot about moment. September the 11th for right. so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm sure Nell will understand missing half of Nell Mascal's set was my 9-11 actually so. <laughs> wait we've missed a second support <laughs> I'm just using your <laughs> um. Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. Um, but like, it was interesting because you're tall, I'm small. I don't think I've ever really gone to gigs with tall people before because my boyfriend's like similar height to me and my family are similar heights to me. So I'm always used to walking around with short people. Mm. So I became like very aware that you were tall and you were so kind because you asked. So we were stood in front of some steps so these women could see Heim behind us. And, and sadly, that would be the last of the steps that we would have all night. Yes, they yeah. did play the song The Steps. Every time <laughs> that I thought of taking the steps, the three people who already stood on them made it very clear that they'd arrived quite early. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that's so true. And you were like, what's your favourite song to me? I was trying to... Well, <laughs> you I, were so lovely I thought we it. could... We, well, and it was The Wire and a discussion about whether you could, for the length of The Wire, come up the steps for a better vantage point. <laughs> so I could see one of them. But, but it was too... It was it was an awkward thing of me to have proposed. And no, I'm I think no, surely, on, surely on the point. second The Wire you get a look. Like, all I could see from my view was I could see a cowbell being hit occasionally <laughs> and then the back of four men's heads like the way that oh, I was mate. situated it was like a like a seam of mountains directly in front of me I could not see Heim at all I could see Heim's mother crying yeah. up in the top because I couldn't That's see that's funny Heim. you're trying to imply the movement of Heim through, through, their, through mother. Just their mother's reaction genuinely in the grand circle yeah in the grand circle I was like looking at people in the grand circle having a good time and do you know the other memory I have from the gig was uh, our like pre-gig chats. We were having good chats, 
then I got into some really like down and horrible anecdote about something. And I think I said to you, like, I just don't believe in natural justice. And then <laughs> at that point, Stop by the Spice Girls came on and I went, Woo! I just. <laughs> And I, after that, I was like, that's me in a nutshell. It's like some horrific, horrible anecdote about something horrible that's happened in life. And then I'm like, the Spice Girl. You say something that you would expect Matthew McConaughey's character on True Detective yes, to say. Yes. And then you just start yes. bopping. They never found a body. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. I love this song. Fun to stay at the YMCA. <laughs> me with my better vantage point at the gig, seeing Heim in the wings about to come on, hearing Alison bearing your soul, <laughs> thinking collision incoming. <laughs> Between depth of anecdote and joy of gig. But yeah, it was great. I had a really great time. It, it was, was a so big wonderful. start, starting with a pop song in full with everyone just, I didn't recognise Stop Right Now from the start. That's fair. Do you know, CMAT last year did uh, All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion as their going on song and they did the whole song and that's like six minutes. Mm. Wow. And it's got a big piano intro and just people who knew it, it was like watching Sleeper Agents just <laughs> yeah, you know, suddenly being a call to arms and just people absolutely screaming that song. I think a good intro song is fun. A good intro song in full that gets the party started. Yeah. Um, it's on me for not knowing Stop Right Now. And I knew it by the chorus, but I was mm. feeling too guilty and self-hating by then. <laughs> and also oh. wondering if all of the, obviously a colossal band, but a younger demographic, Songs older than a good proportion of people in the Shepherd's Bush Empire. That's true. At all points east, I looked up the set list for that. They came on to the song London Bridge by Fergie, oh. which is quite oh. odd. <laughs> That's not one of the lost classics of sort of noughties pop. But it's important. She didn't have to re-record that because of a poor choice of word selection in the title. So that's good. Who had to do that? That's a Black Eyed Peas, Let's Get It Started. Oh, yeah. I Because there was, that, there was that time in the noughties that what you would do is you would release an incredible single, but with an ableist slur <laughs> yeah. in the title. And then you would just, yeah. the punishment, the punishment was you just got to re-record re it, re-release it, That's and make fun. all the money again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had Stop Right Now from the top. Yeah. And then, as promised, we had Days Are Gone in full. And... As they acknowledge three songs in, it storms out of the blocks, falling, presumably or having some sort of traumatic white wine spritzer. Grigio flashback. Yes, just three women dance around a couch <laughs> with a spritzer. <laughs> I don't believe in natural justice and now I've got to hear this fucking pre-drinks with the girlies song. And then Forever, which is less tainted. And then The Wire, which is your oh, favourite home song. absolute banger. And then they paused for breath for basically the first time and made some self-deprecating quips about how front-loaded the album was. Well, I was thinking on the way here was giving it a sort of speed re-listen and trying to work out whether Days Are Gone is the 2010s hot fuss. But I don't think Ooh. it is because I think the second half of hot fuss is very disappointing. And I think that, yes, we've got a sort of Jenny Brightside, Smile Like You Mean It kind of first three on Days Are Gone. But they're storing up some good stuff in the second half. It's front-loaded, obviously the big three singles there, but there's like three or four very big songs in the second half of the album, I think. That Honey Pie song I liked. 
I never heard that one. Wait, Honey and I, or the, my song th- five that you're, Honey, you're not my, Honey, you're I'm not, not my, my honey. honey yeah, that's my song five. Oh, right, okay. And I uh, love that. It was most of my Nivos texting in the lead up to it was just me typing. It's very live than it is on the album. It's so live. It's absolutely ferocious live. It's so knotty. That was my last point in the gig where I thought, am I going to make a beeline back to Alex to essentially just shout bwagga bwagga in his ear like very loud? Ivo's two texts to me during the gig in their different in your different location were I think one of them was it's our generation's rumours that was that was your <laughs> you said that to me out of your mouth yeah I said it out of my mouth and I'm afraid I had to text it to Alex as well <laughs> no, what a horrible indictment of my no I don't think cross platform you said it into both of our ears if we were there yeah. yeah I know but it's a bit Christmas round robin isn't it um, <laughs> but yes I did and also, the kids are doing great and also do you know that days are gone is our generation's rumours <laughs> I texted you saying it's our rumours but actually you know I am the millionth person to compare Heim to Fleetwood Mac and then they played a Fleetwood Fleetwood Mac, a Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac cover, which I didn't know, but was absolutely fantastic. Mm. And they're called Oh Well Part One. Get it up, Alex. Let's get that set list up now. That was a fair bit later on after we'd got Days Are Gone in full. Then they did Mustang Sally with their parents. And they did Mustang Sally. So they'd. (laughs) The the Setlist FM says. Mustang Sally, Sir Mac Rice cover with Mama and Papa Heim. <laughs> Mama and Papa, <laughs> Mama and Papa Heim. Heim. Now it says first time since 2018. Now is that first time that they've played Mustang Sally since 2018 <laughs> or first time that Mama and Papa Heim have Well, I, come I on think stage? Mama and Papa Heim have been quite involved from the start. They're in a band with their parents. Oh, that's lovely. They're like, they're, they are... The Von um, Trapps. They're the Von Trapps. I suppose you could say there's, there's a Nepo edge to it. But what's so wrong about it? It's a very interesting career that the dad was a professional footballer in Israel and then emigrated to America. What? Yeah. Wow. I I didn't know that. Yeah. But like as an Irish person there in Mustang Sally, because it was used in the Commitments film, Ah. it felt great. (laughs) That's a song that I just kept shouting along to. It was great. I watched the Commitments three times, I think, with my dad when I was young. So I I enjoyed telling him that I'd seen Mustang Sally performed live by Haim. We've acknowledged it implicitly and explicitly, but they closed with The Wire as a reprise for a second time. That's sort of a joke about, I think, Chesney Hawks Hawks, uh, will apparently play... (laughs) The, play I am the one and only twice. Mm. The only time that it's ever happened to me, which is a Heim adjacent band, it wasn't that they opened and closed with it, but I saw Vampire Weekend yeah. at a matinee show on like a Saturday morning before the release of Father of the Bride. And it was in Islington Town Hall and they handed out, not them, but some of the team handed out some cupcakes to the crowd while they were waiting and queuing the line, which is nice. And they played A-Punk about halfway through the set. And then when A-Punk finished... They just started playing A-Punk again. They just played it for a second time and the crowd went mad because they were like, oh yeah, it is only like a two-minute song. And then when it finished, they played it a third time. (laughs) (laughs) There was a real hysteria when they played it a third time because there was a real like, first time, great. Second time, like, oh yeah. Third time, like, yeah, bit of fun actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, wow. So have have either of you had instances where the band have double played a song? Mumba probably could have done it. You put Stop. up the marquee yourself. No, like, she drove same you in her song car. twice still counts. <laughs> the town. So, I went on a hen party to a mixed venue, like a venue that has restaurants and different concerts and archery and a pool and all that type of thing. <laughs> and not naming the place, but uh, <laughs> but I saw a singer from Sweet Female Attitude. 
I bring you flowers yes, yes, in yes, the yes. pouring rain. Well, there's two women that sing on that, and we had one woman from that group. Okay. And she started off with flowers, and then she did covers of other garage songs, and then she finished on flowers again. Do you ever think? It was amazing. This is quite a bold It's Like, which mm-hmm. I'm often hauled, not hauled over the coals for my It's Likes. Scrutinised. Scrutinised over the coals. But you know in Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials, <laughs> <laughs> if you see a duo, but it's only one of them, you know how in His Dark Materials, when you sever someone from their demon spirit, that it's like a sort of traumatic thing where their soul is almost being dragged out of their body. Do you think well, it's one like that? Well, I don't <laughs> I saw Paul chuckle, DJ. No. Yes, so maybe. <laughs> you look genuinely sad. You look Don't choose an example sad. where one of them is dead. Obviously. <laughs> okay. I'll try and think of another one. But... I, I wanted it to be a playful heightening of creative differences, not the actual grave. Um, I've seen three of five do a concert. Three of five? Yeah, three of five. Three of five sounds like a clothing company. It does, doesn't it? Three members of five. They were very good, but they didn't have Jay. And they just did the rapping themselves. And they did a great job. Can I ask a question about the Chuckle Brothers? Yes. When they you can say, ask a question about one chuckle brother. No, I'd like to ask a question about them both in their shared alive heyday. Yeah. But I think alive is just implied in heyday, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> when they say to me, to you, mm. are they passing something from one to the other? Now, the times that I've seen it, they were holding a ladder between them. So that was a thing of like... I think it's a catchphrase they've made work in a lot of different kind of um, spheres. I've never really watched the Chuckle Brothers. I watched, I just know I watched the game show. The, there was that game I show. I watched the game is, show. Was it called To Me To You? I think it was. Yeah. yeah. You've got to look, if you've got a catchphrase, you've got to shoehorn it into every time. Absolutely. <laughs> you would in every aspect of your life. I was carrying a large box in Manchester with my friend Hannah last week. She said, To Me To You, like the Chuckle Brothers. And I said, I've never engaged with the thought of it being about an actual physical act before. I thought it was just like, they come out on stage and they say it. And it's not actually related to like, <laughs> you hold this end and I'll hold this end. <laughs> um, it's so funny to think about a comedy double act that could have been around for so long that they have a catchphrase that is like... Originally rooted lost, in manual labor. Yeah, or, 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 like, or like lost to the mists of time. We don't know why we say it. We yeah. just do and you love it. That's what I was staring into the face of in Manchester <laughs> last week. Wow. That's like a, a shoe-in. I didn't know that shoe-in was S-H-O-O. Yeah, I thought it was S H O E, and I thought it was maybe from getting a shoe in the door or something like that. Yes. But it's actually from horse racing. And, and so, what that you're getting a Google shoe that if you win, what you if sh- you shoe them before the race and then they go faster and then they win, and that's why they're shoeing? It's because they're so far ahead, like the jockey on the horse, that you could shoe the horse across the finishing line and it would finish before everybody else. Great. I also say occasionally Ivo brings up the podcasts that could have been instead of gig pigs. Oh yeah, and one of them that? can we can we say what one of them is? No, that's got to be. Right. We, can, we have to. We actually should save that for a. I think we'll save that for a whole episode at some point oh, on the page. Okay, <laughs> but there's at least Not one. now it's relevant here. <laughs> I think we could have done a podcast series which was just origins of idioms. <laughs> origins of it. I think someone's probably done. Someone's probably done that. And let me tell you that I still back Origins of Idioms as a stronger writer than I first original. <laughs> it's a real, real shame to have you just casually dropping more podcasts that you think are better than my own. <laughs> 
Yeah, so in the well, they just they did Days Are Gone in its entirety. In its entirety, and the second yeah. the second half of Days Are Gone is joyful stuff mm-hmm. as well. It was um, I really liked Honey and I and the title track and my song Five. Go slow. I'd recommend go slow. A lovely walk in the sort of late summer heat <laughs> on your own on a common. Wow. That's how you should consume you're, Go Slow. You're doing that like it's yeah. a wine pairing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Annoying when we walking. know which one, of course, would be for falling. But. <laughs> yeah, I know. A spritzer, baby. <laughs> West Coast cooler. I think I genuinely have been in moments where it's sort of coming to the end of a bit of time, someone or the end of a walk. You've thought about the song you're going to listen to on the, on the like when you're alone, like in five minutes, and you anticipate it to the extent that you... You want to rush through the end of the social interaction <laughs> to get to the song that you've already decided is going to soundtrack the next chapter of your emotional day. That's so lovely. No, I think it's bleak as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it's come from. I really do broadly prefer human company to music and my own thoughts. But Alex did paint a lovely picture there. There mm. you go. And then there was an encore. They came out for an encore. We were probably hoping. I'm currently wearing my Bought on the Night Women in Music Part 3 t-shirt. That was an album that was uh, a real pandemic salve, a save for me, that I really loved that album. I did a meme that Ivo has... Well, I was trying to to find find. it, but it's very difficult to find. uh, (laughs) 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 He memes too hard and too fast, and it's difficult to scroll through. Well, particularly when there's no no accompanying text. Mm. So if you were trying to find... (laughs) <laughs> if you were trying to find a meme that someone did on Twitter in 2020, oh God. would you, obviously you go to Twitter, you go to, what is it, media, Yeah. but that doesn't narrow it down much I would much go media Alex. between a window. If I were having to, if I were having to do it now, I would open up a computer, go to the advanced search, oh, I would go tweets on. from Alex Keeley, it would be media, which you can select, and then I would select a window of, between the day of release and a month later of Himes Women in Music Part 3. I think it was later than that. Wow. I, I, yeah, I, wow. Remember, I remember thinking, this is a great meme, but Alex is a bit slower than that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was in there first. I was talking about it from much earlier in the pandemic. But you did capture the mood perfectly with your meme of, is it Apu throwing himself in it's, front of the... It's uh, Apu saving it. his squishy machines while the gunman is trying to uh, destroy it. And it's, uh, I labelled the gunman in The Simpsons as the COVID-19 pandemic. I labelled the squishy machines as summer. Summer 2020. Summer 2020. And I labelled Himes Women in Music Part 3 as Apu hurling himself <laughs> in front of the bullets too. So that's the kind of niche content that will get you 14 likes. Yeah, but it will also get me me trying to find it <laughs> in like the Shepherd's Bush Empire toilet three years later. Like, give me a, there was a point where I'd got, I'd got, because I wasn't using the date search. So I was just scrolling through all. And obviously also, yeah, I'm a big fan of his content. Yeah, you know, I've, yeah, I've, um, I, you know, I've tied myself to it professionally so I was having to stop myself enjoying you know just (laughs) just going back through time it'd be really it'd be quite grim look I'll never turn down a like on a tweet but to get a notification of you accidentally kind of absentmindedly liking something on your scroll through image memory lane in my media tab would be quite grim while like my song 5 is not with my song 5 wouldn't be playing I think this was probably before I think it was before the get but I did I just I wanted to bring your tweet home to you Uh, but then I my sort of accidentally swiped sideways instead of down and then I'd gone back to the main feed. Oh, like, no. I can't start again. Um, but, but I'll now find it on a computer and I, and I want, because I really want to back up my needlessly aggressive theory that it was later after the release of Women That's Music funny. Part 3. Yes, I'd love to find out. But anyway, we didn't get, I think if you talked to us before the gig mm. and you told us there was going to be no Women in Music Part 3, we'd have been quite disappointed. I'd have ripped up my ticket and gone straight to Brewdog. <laughs> <laughs> Sliding 20 pounds across the bar to get the barman and brew dog to just put on women and music part three. 
<laughs> we can't play you women in music part three. We can play you men in breweries. <laughs> <laughs> but we got the wire a second time. It was quite cute seeing the whole Heim clan on stage. Well, they'd called out there and you were focused on the balcony. Yes, so, so, so had you clocked, I think, Donna Heim on the balcony before the first shout out? There was Do you think a, there's a regal looking woman there? There was people, people maybe behind us or around us going, that's the mum. And I looked up and there was another older lady there with quite a nice jacket suit thing. And I thought that was her. I presume she's a relative of some sort, but I was like putting all my mum vibes on that woman mm. and going, she, she is the one that's birth time. But uh, no, uh, <laughs> stolen valor, stolen valor. That woman did not bear five. There's another lady went up on stage, and I was like, I focused all of my energy on you, and you've done you nothing. Just, you're just shouting out, you've got great <laughs> yeah. birth time energy. Yeah, you're just the A and R woman or whatever, <laughs> not the mom. You just professionally birthed them. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we do lovely. stolen valor on Origins videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put, yeah. Put, put in the pin in that. <laughs> so they they. they Shouted out their, their mum and yes. or A and R woman. Yes. And then a few songs later, she'd gone. Yes. Was like no way she's left early, but of course. Were you thinking like, oh, have Heim disappointed her? Has <laughs> 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 she left? Did she like? I'm not staying around. She's and never this. believed in the back end of this album. She was <laughs> against the full album play. She wanted to give birth to a singles band. This is going to yeah. be a hot fuss if you put it out like this. <laughs> It'll do well, but you know that you could have written a few more bangers if you'd given yourself another year <laughs> so I didn't see any of them on stage I presume the dad was like playing the drums he was playing the drums you've got a lot of experience in going to gigs and uh, dealing with this but it is still tough as a guilty door person to have to literally confirm that like the dad yes the dad was playing oh, the drums no. <laughs> <laughs> I know just like the sort of first officer in a submarine with the periscope being like yep that's uh... genuinely I was looking through people's phones when they were holding it up to film the Heim right that I was like looking at the configuration oh, no and go, oh, right, okay, cool. Come on, Alison, stop experiencing a concert through a phone. Look at that person's shoulder that like God intended. You experience a concert through the people around you. I do truly feel that, like, the power of a concert is not seeing it, but it is feeling it of other people. Well, we had you know? the girls on the on the who'd got their peak position on the steps next to us. Yeah, you know, a little confused by the suggestion that they move over for the wire. One couple one was two. absolutely tonguing each other in front of us yep, to one song. They've yep. definitely fucked to that song. Like I, I can't remember which one it was, <laughs> but there was some definite. Mustang Sally. <laughs> so central. Yeah, right, Sally, right. It's like, yeah, but I did feel like because I couldn't see how I was looking at everyone else around me. There was two men in front of us that were just stationary the whole time and they did that thing where they fold their arms. They're enjoying it, but there was no movement in their bodies. And I was like, for me, I like to move about. I like mm -hmm. to shuffle on my feet. I like to do stuff. And they were not moving. They were watching. They were enjoying it. I do do a big people watch when I go to concerts and stuff. There was the couple absolutely tonguing each other with two mates they were kind of like a little bit embarrassed by it, I'd say. One of the stationary men, when I said, yeah. what do you think they're going to do for the encore, turned around to me and said, there's two songs left on the album. Yes. And, and they played the covers and then they played The Wire again and then that was the end of the gig. 
Yeah, I said, what about the last two songs? And he just looked really angry and said, I must mean in the bonus tracks or something. <laughs> 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 Wasn't it, did someone ask you to move slightly as well? Or was that me? Uh, yes. I found that strange because it's like at a concert, you can't really, he was establishing boundaries very early. Someone would have had to like, get their ball sack and rub it across me before I'd go like, please stop moving or whatever, you know? I'm sorry for that image. <laughs> like... It's horrible to sort of hear that invited from someone who said that justice is... is <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. You've, you've got to believe there'd be justice for that. Yes. We were talking loads about Morrissey in the pub. I forgot to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't one of the save it for the pod chats actually. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but we can do, you know, we'll do we can do some um I think I probably said something about the Smiths are still obviously there's some good songs, aren't there? I mean that's not the discussion about Morrissey though, is it really? No, no, maybe we shouldn't. Oh I <laughs> We didn't talk about Licorice Pizza. That's the name of our WhatsApp group yes. chat this Licorice Pizza. Very yes. good. Um, you've not seen Licorice. We, we which, sorry, we've done this we've already. Done this. You've shamed me already. But just because you're a Paul Thomas Anderson, yes, no, I know. Bro, can I tell you something about uh, with relation to Johnny Marr of the Smiths? Yes, please. Played He's song. Uncle. No, you can have a few more guesses, but it will take you a few. <laughs> Heim played The Wire on the Andrew Marr show in 2013. What? And Este dedicated the song to the then British Prime Minister David Cameron, who was also a guest on the show. The move was criticised as being ill-judged by musician Johnny Marr of the Smiths, who stated that it's really simple. They made themselves look like idiots. It's ridiculous. The Conservatives tried to do the same thing with the Smiths to reappropriate us in a false way to be cool by association. Heim did not respond. There are so many Mars in that anecdote. There's at least one more Mars. So they played it on the Andrew Marr show and then Johnny Marr. Do you think Marr just gets um, Google alerts for his name and that's how he found out about that? Because it was on Andrew Marr's talk show. I mean, Alex has got a lovely bit of stand-up about Johnny Marr disowning sort of David Cameron from liking the Smiths. And mm. it is such a mad flex. Heim just being like... Well, dedicate the song it, to the Prime Minister. Well, it's so the Andrew Marshall. But it is really funny that, isn't it? I would have to agree with maybe it's sort of po-faced how Johnny Marr's saying it, but I do agree with it because it is a bit mad. It's not like they're like, you know, at the end of the day, what David Cameron did with gay marriage is great. I think they've just gone, yeah, right. <laughs> they've gone like, hello, power. Can we dedicate this to you? Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just ill thought out. But a lovely band. I'd have loved to have met Haim on the 10th anniversary of Days Are Gone and be like, great gig. Will you apologise <laughs> for dedicating? Why didn't you dedicate a performance of The Steps from Winter Music Part 3 to then Prime Minister Boris Johnson? <laughs> well, or even dedicate The Wire in 2013 to uh, then leader of the opposition, Ed Miliband, and change the course of British politics. Do you think that's getting over the line? Do you think that's accelerating the turnout uh, amongst uh, the... No, I think it's having no impact whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they may have misjudged British politics in that perhaps slightly less delicate pre-Brexit moment, but their love for Britain and for London and their sense of history, I mean, they are obviously very charming. Mm. They are performers, and I'm an actor. So, of course, they can weave these very moving narratives, but you really believed that they were chuffed to bits to be on this victory lap 10th anniversary tour of an album that started in London and where they were, would it be very cynical to say the absolutely sort of on brand like bingo card story of like playing it in front of 10 people at 
Can you remember the venue? Was it like Camden? Was it the Water Rats or something? Did they say something like some, that? Some shout out to some absolute indie points cred yeah. to come and, and be like, to reference your sort of single, the Lexington, the, the, single the bigger attendance gig when you have spent most of the intervening decade being global stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's another way that's like hot fuss, isn't it? The killer's born in America, made in London. Heim, born in America, made in London. When will the UK stop adopting these front-loaded albums? <laughs> yeah, Scissor <laughs> Sisters as well. <laughs> but it's a top-heavy album. That's it. Well, I'm a big lover of the, like, you know, uh, lovers in the backseat and stuff. Was it Can't Come Quickly Enough? Yeah, no, I actually think it's great all the way through that. I inappropriately cry at concerts. Like I cried at Mary by Scissor Sisters when I went to see them with my friends when I was 15 because I knew the song was about a woman who died of a brain aneurysm. And then I thought of my friend dying of a brain aneurysm and I cried. And I cried at the Beyonce uh, concert I went to where they did the talky bit for, you know, feminists. That bit, I cried about that beside the same friend. And I cried at I cried at a Morrissey concert as well. <laughs> but I was fifty. I was fifty. You just knew he was gonna start saying some things and you were crying for the future. <laughs> Stop giving interviews. I was so overwhelmed when I yeah, I, I used to be a big Morrissey person and I went to a lot of his concerts on my own because my dad hated him. And my dad would be the person that would bring me to concerts when I was a teenager. I would go on my own and uh, get pieces of his shirt. Marcy would throw a shirt into the crowd. Wow. And people would snip it up? Well, I'd hold on to it with my teeth and then people would help me in the face for it. But I'd like lock onto it and I had a sleeve once. And I used to sniff it a lot. Wow. Yeah. Proper fragments of the True Cross stuff. Yeah, yeah. I had it in my wallet, brought it with me to a job interview. They asked me, did I have anything interesting in my handbag? And I took out the Marcy sleeve, got the job. Wow. Yeah, telemarketing. And that was that was how you started working as a daily man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I wouldn't go now. And it's not, you know, I'm just saying that. But there's no point pretending I didn't go to Marcy concerts when I was younger. I didn't know. <laughs> Do you have some kind of recommendation for our listeners, sort of a music recommendation, be it sort of an album, a tour, a band, a book? It's got to be Mumba, hasn't it? <laughs> I would. Uh, Mumba's got a new single out called The Lie. It's very good. See uh, Matt, she's an Irish singer, and she's got an album called If My Wife Knew I'd Be Dead. It's an amazing album. She's got a tour coming out uh, this year. It's going to be brilliant. But an album I'd like to recommend is a lady called Tiana Taylor. And the album is called Keep the Same Energy. And it came out about three or four years ago. It was produced by uh, Kanye West. Um, We're just ticking off all the talented (laughs) wrong-uns today, aren't we? Sorry. This is album by Tiana Taylor called Keep the Same Energy. And it's very good. Go listen to that. Yeah. Alison, thank you so much for coming with us to the gig and for such a fun episode. Thank you so much for having me. It was absolutely great. Thanks, Alison. So there you have it, Alison Spittle, a nice final detour through a sort of Madame Tussauds of cancelled musicians. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do hope Madame Tussauds keep the cancelled waxworks and they go somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I started doing stand-up with Josh Widdicombe and we did the Comedy Zone together in Edinburgh 2010, I'd say his first calling card was about waxworks and a waxwork of Hitler and when that was going to get melted down because Annika Rice was already a set of candles. <laughs> Lovely bit of stand-up. 
That is great. It really was great. May I recommend the stand-up comedy of Josh Widdicombe? That's not my recommendation for this week. Although it is on Spotify, so it could be dragged easily into the extra swill playlist. <laughs> A new Nick Cave soul music genre bender for extra swill. Yes, we nearly crashed a car in London last week because of the presence <laughs> of soul music in the extra swill playlist. It's harder to flick on through an episode. Didn't crash a car, just a um, bit too much toggling at a traffic light. Yes, I might delete that Nick Cave episode from, it might just be a verbal recommendation I give to people. Yes, I don't think that would be terrible. Also, lovely link to last night where someone in Northampton at the R&D said that in the car on the way there, they'd be listening to Where the Wild Roses Grow by Nick Cave and Kylie Minogue. First up, Alex, is that the name of the song? I think so. Well, I hope so, because I've got to apologise, because if <laughs> assuming you've listened to the whole episode at the normal speed without interruption, approx an hour and 20 minutes ago, I said that Haim's second album, which we were both being pretty apathetic about, and I really cemented that apathy by calling it Sorry to Bother You, <laughs> and it's called Something to Tell You. <laughs> Sorry to Bother You is a great film, which I saw in 2019. I saw it in the cinema. I talked about it briefly with my brother afterwards. And I haven't really interacted with it or talked about it at all in the four and a half years since. And yet, clearly, it still played a bigger role in my life than uh, something to tell you about Haim. <laughs> you told me that. We did a top for this episode, which was preceded by you telling me about calling the Royal and Derngate the RNG. And I delivered that. And then we finished recording that top. And as soon as we finished recording it, I said, what did I say? Haim's second album was called. <laughs> we clarified that that was wrong. You can't really do a sort of post-edit. It's more honest to leave it in. If you've been sat there smarting for an hour and a half, I hope this apology is contrite enough. I'm genuinely worried about my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got a recommendation for this week in addition to Josh Widdicombe's stand-up comedy? Uh, Yes, I'm going to recommend Oh Well Part One by Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac. reference in the top. I absolutely love coming on stage to it. You know, we watched Days Are Gone and we thought, God, this is a great album. It's our rumours. And aren't all the non-singles, or at least a lot of the non-singles in the second half, actually really strong as well. But the big song takeaway was the actual Fleetwood Mac song that they played. Thank you very much, Haim. Lovely. My recommendation for this week, I'm using the jumping off point of Sisters in a Band. I'm going to recommend Tegan and Sarah's Walking with a Ghost. Did I first come across it as a result of the White Stripes cover? Yes, but the original is fantastic. That's fine. All roads lead to Rome. <laughs> is that Bonaparte or Sun Tzu? Which... <laughs> Must not get bogged down in Sun Tzu again. <laughs> Your thing being like, oh, did I misattribute a quote about military strategy? <laughs> and me being like... Did I get the album title wrong of the album that I was voluntarily talking about, of the band I like, and we went to see? Different levels for the boys. Very similar in some ways, V different in others. If you have any questions or complaints or corrections off the back of this episode that we haven't already corrected, please send them to gigspigs, ah, gigpigspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> you know what? I don't mind that. That's something we've both done. That's just a slip of the tongue. But it's also it's a clever marketing technique. It looks like a stumble, but then the audience are just really thinking about that email. Yes. Yeah, really think about that email, actually. Gigpigspodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, we've got full sorts of fun jumping off points from this episode. Have you ever seen a band perform the same song twice at a gig, I guess is the main takeaway. 
Have you ever, like Alison, who saw Paul Chuckle DJing, oh, yeah. have you ever seen one of a double act or, or a, a group in a, in a situation? Was it appalling or amazing? Yes. Notable absentees or indeed notable <laughs> presences such as the band's own family. Have you ever seen an artist joined on stage by their own parents in a way that was surprising or in a way that you were expecting, such as seeing the first iteration of the Mystery Jets? in 2006 who had their dad in the band we've received some <laughs> lovely correspondence to extra not extra swill of course that's the playlist we've received some lovely correspondence to gigpigspodcast at gmail.com and alex which should we kick off with of our pre-agreed choice correspondences yes let's kick off i'll kick off first this one is from charlotte lydia riley who writes hello alex and ivo on the subject of bodily noises disrupting your life slash destroying your professional reputation slash at least making people respect you a tiny bit less, I recently had to yes. narrate the audiobook version. We, we talked about that quite a lot. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I suppose there is some context that we, a couple of episodes ago, what, what was the episode? I think maybe the first aid kit, Chloe Pets yes. episode. I'd had a couple of train cans on the way back from possibly Chelmsford uh, as a result. I'd activated the gurgles. <laughs> it meant that I was trying to sort of talk about, I don't know, blood harmonies, maybe, and gurgled a lot and sort of lost my mind. It was great content. My friend Sam listened to that and he said, you two really are just enjoying each other's company, aren't you? Which is a mixed <laughs> review. It's a mixed review. So Charlotte says, I recently had to narrate the audiobook version of a book I wrote and those microphones pick up every tiny stomach gurgle. My producer repeatedly had to stop me and suggest that I might like to go and have a little snack as if I were a toddler to try to stop my stomach rumbling. Not only that, but the soundproof room means that you're hyper aware of yourself of every weird noise your stomach mouth lips are making. I had to redo one sentence about six times because my lips were making a noise when I opened my mouth. It was genuinely horrific. None of the reviews of the audiobook have mentioned any stray stomach gurgles, but surely at least one made it into the final edit. I'm very much enjoying the pod, although I can't quite bring myself to listen to the national episodes because I had tickets the second night at Ali Pali and I'd sell them because of a stupid work clash. It was going to be my first post-pandemic, post-baby, now toddler gig, and I'm still furious. Ooh. Genuinely sorry to hear that. I mean, at least you can content yourself with the sort of apoplectic national fans on Twitter who thought that the second night was a, a, an insult, a slap in the face to those missing November and bloodbusters. You, you didn't miss the bangers of night one, at least. I wonder if Charlotte, as she wrote her email brilliantly entitled Gurgling Pigs, I, I wonder <laughs> if Charlotte was even aware. And indeed, if she has yet been made aware, either through our national episode or through any other reportage that the night she had tickets to was specifically the curiosity shop. No, it wasn't a curiosity <laughs> shop. It was just deeper cuts, and we love them. Charlotte has bought tickets for the Lost Campesinos biggest ever gig at the Troxy and one of their new T-shirts, and that has dulled the pain a little, but only a little. Solidarity and gurgles forever, Charlotte. Terrific. Well, we dare to dream of gurgling uh, somewhere near you, at Lost Camp, perhaps, in <laughs> Feb, TBC. The National play a part, as they do in much of our correspondence, both between each other and with people on geekpigspodcast at gmail.com. And here we are with Connor Hanny, who replies, in regards to that episode, wedding table plans. I was listening to the national episode, he says, and when you got onto the topic of weddings at the end, I said I should send this on because it feels very much on topic. For my own wedding, we decided to name all the tables after bands who we have seen together live at gigs. Some at festivals, admittedly, to bump the numbers. That's fine. And our top table was, <laughs> of course, the national. I've attached a table plan that I made with the other bands on it, which I think you guys will largely approve of. 
guest names deleted using my phone's magic eraser to avoid doxing everyone. <laughs> For each of the tables, we made the table name signs look a bit like tickets with the name of band, photo from gig, and a date we went to see them, as well as a lyric from one of each band's songs. Cheers, Connor. I mean, it is so lovely that. And while we can't ask for more intel from Connor, I would love to know like the lyrics that you chose because that's not on the lovely graphic from the wedding. I've just got the names of the bands. All the fonts, right? It's not just all Times New Roman or Futura. It's everyone has their font, every band. We slash your fiance Mari go to great or even, you know, small but much appreciated lengths to make a tile for Instagram to announce each week's episode of Gig Pigs, and that includes seeking out the band's fonts. And a couple of times bands haven't had their own fonts and she's just had to go, will this do? Will this do? Here's what this band's font could be if I were their graphic designer. It's obviously great when bands have iconic fonts, but it's also good for us as podcasters to be listening to newer music by bands who might not yet have got to the <laughs> own font size stage of their careers, <laughs> which is surely when you feel like you're really bedding in. I saw them in a New York basement when they didn't have their own font yet. <laughs> We're not going to New York, are we? Pigs in the Big Apple. The dream. It's usually the other way around. It's usually the other way round, as <laughs> in great stuff. a roast. It's great stuff. Thank it's you very much. These small victories in the general <laughs> slide. So there are five, 10, 14 bands after which tables have been named. And we've discussed nearly all of them at some point in the podcast. And we've done specific episodes about three of them. The National, Foles, and Arctic Monkeys. Yes. And I could see... A few others being added to this list. Yes. And a couple of others won't be added to this list. Well, there we go. Shall I just read the full list without suggesting which you were implying? <laughs> Frightened Rabbit, Pearl Jam, Villagers, Local Natives, Iron and Wine, The Lone Bellow, Christine and the Queens, Bon Iver, Churches, Bright Eyes, and Arcade Fire. And Falls, the, the National Arctic Monkeys we covered. It's a great spread. I mean, it's exactly in our wheelhouse. And people like Iron and Wine are right in the sweet spot of like, Ah, that's always on the next Pitchfork review, the sort of recommended, like that album with the dog on the front, the shepherd's dog, <laughs> that's been sort of circling the things I've been listening to for a decade now, and it, perhaps it's time. Have you listened to the shepherd's dog by Iron and Wine? No, but you're right. Iron and Wine does exist in, in the algorithmic near periphery of many bands that I'm well into. I put villagers in that category. I've never really taken the, the necessary step with villagers, despite the fact that I sort of know that would be my thing. The only band I don't... I've never heard of The Lone Below, ever. No, nor I. So we've got some work to do. But what a lovely wedding. Would love to know the lyrics, but obviously can't put pressure on you for that, Connor. Just thank you very much for furnishing us with that information alone. Thank you very much to our listeners for committing to another, I would hope, enjoyable, but also undeniably lengthy podcast. We hope to be communing with you again very soon. Or, as I always say, sorry to bother you. <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.